Hello friends, Passing Dimes is over the moon to announce our new partnership with Betstamp. Betstamp is a mobile app in the sports betting space that shows you the odds from every sports book in one spot. Say you're like me and you find it more engaging to put $20 down on your favorite team. With Betstamp, you can compare the best available odds at one sports book versus the worst odds at another sports book all in one spot. Go to the App Store today and download Betstamp for free and use code DIMES. That's D-I-M-E-S. For more information or to learn more about Betstamp education sessions, where you can get an edge in online sports betting, message Passing Dimes on Instagram or Facebook accounts. Stay excellent, friends. Hello and welcome back to Sharp Cuts. My name is Garrett May alongside Josh Nickel. As always, welcome back to the show. We are back and Josh, you are back on the horse, buddy. And I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it, who you're paying, but you just, man, we're just cycling through all of the top beach players in the country. So I expect next week we're going to be coming back with more and more exciting guests. So please welcome our guest for this episode, Sophie Bukovic. How you doing? Welcome to the program. What is up? Thank you. I'm excited to be here for the second time. I kind of understand the lay of the land a bit. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk to you guys. Okay, I can already hear the diplomacy coming through in your voice. So cut that immediately. You've been on here. We're a friend of the show, so cut that garbage before we really get into it. But we did talk. I mean, we don't know when this episode is going to be coming out. We're recording all over the all over the place. So we don't know what news is out there, but we do know Mm. that, Sophie, you have a new partner. And we talked with her a couple episodes ago, so if you didn't see that, link in the description, uh, or maybe it's not in the description, I don't know, am I good at YouTube or not, we'll see. Uh, but check out that episode where we talked with Sarah about it, so now we want to hear from you. Yes. What are you looking for out of this year? You're paying with Sarah Pavin, so just tell, what's going on with that? Yeah, I'm so excited. I, oh my gosh, my cat right now is like, just lurking in the back. Um, no, I'm really excited. Sarah is such a legend. She's a, you know, the best Canadian volleyball player to ever come out of Canada. And for me to have the opportunity to play with someone of her caliber and someone with her experience leading up into my first Olympic games, it just couldn't come at a better time. So I'm really excited to see kind of what team tall can do. Um, and yeah, as we kind of start the Olympic qualification in January, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, you are the shrimp on that squad. So I think you're going to need to just get, I don't know, do something to make up for that. She is towering over you on Team Tall. I do like that name, though. <laughs> Thanks. Josh, now, you were about to it, say something. Like, I was, I'm trying to, I'm trying say, to, we're trying to do this here, Josh. I'm trying to like follow your lead here. You like look like you're about to say that. And then we leave it. It's an awkward pause. Get it together, Josh. Come That's on, a perfect Josh. segue. That's a perfect segue here because I was about to take a shot at the show of how unprofessional we were because we actually broke that news. Sarah's like, I have an announcement. But because we took like a week to announce the show, there was obviously press release and stuff going out. But I do want to circle back, Sophie. Uh, on Sarah's comments, she mentioned one thing that like really appealed to her about playing with you is you guys speak the same language. You're talking about winning, you're talking about going English. to the Olympics. So, like, yeah. Are you all equally as excited about some of the early conversations? I know we, we haven't trained. I know there's no tournaments coming up for you guys, but just like the first couple of meetings, are you like just vibing the same way Sarah is right now? Yeah, I think what's uh, really interesting is Sarah and I don't know each other. Like we never spoken up until the conversation where I was like, hey, do you want to do this? Um, so I hadn't ever had a conversation with her. I didn't even know what her voice kind of sounded like in real time. And we both addressed that, that we just don't really know each other as people. So um, the conversations that we're having because we're trying to expedite the getting to know you process has just been like very direct, very clear, very concise. And we're both very much with the mindset or with the goal set of 
how do we medal not only at the Olympic Games, but consistently over the next couple of years? Like, it's not enough for us to just want to go to the Olympics and stand on top of a podium. It's like, how do we create that legacy over the next couple of years? And yeah, that's kind of the conversation's been. So she's definitely a winner. I will tell you that. And winning is a skill. So I'm really excited to, you know, learn from her and uh, yeah, move forward with that. Okay, enough bringing up old arguments we've had on the show. You brought like at least a few things we touched on immediately. Gosh, yeah. winning is a skill. Ah, okay, we will. Okay, well maybe I will relinquish that. Relinquish that. But before we get to that, there were a few of us on the show who mm-hmm. were maybe doubters, maybe doubters of you or your options, and you paired up with Sarah. So, and even still, there may be some doubters. So I'm just curious, what can you tell to those who doubted you, Josh? Who to sell them on this partnership and, and going forwards. Well, Garrett, I think it's the best possible outcome for the Federation, the way the partnerships worked out. And there was hey, a don't time. Don't defend yourself after <laughs> I just buried you. There was a time. I think Sophie and Brittany, they were crushing it. I mean, they were in a world championships finals. If they would have stayed together, we would have been fine. But then we had like two orphans in, in Melissa and Sarah. So I think as a Volleyball Canada fan, we have three stacked teams where we had talked previously on the show. We thought Megan and Nicole were going to have a big year next year. That's still on the table, Garrett. I'm still predicting that. But now we have three awesome teams. And we can't get used to this, Garrett. We're going to have three teams. We're going to be like what Germany was uh, leading into the Rio Olympics. We're going to have like half the, half the quarterfinals are going to be Canadian women's teams. It's going to be awesome to see that. Wait, I do have to correct, though. We didn't doubt Sophie, actually. Actually, we had the most faith in Sophie, didn't we? In our predictions, Josh. Yes, because we, we had predicted we had predicted there was either going to be a swap or she was going to stay with Brandy. I think Sophie was going to be fine either way. It was Melissa and Sarah we were worried about. about If they don't play with each other, who are the options? It was, it was a bit of a mess that way, right? So it sounds like you had to kind of sell this to a few people. you gotta, you got to kind of partner up with a bit of a... Bit of a you know, bit of somebody who's been you know not doesn't have a partner kind of lingering around like Sarah Pavin, you know, like kind of bit of a yeah, yeah, like you just got to pick up kind of the you know whatever's around. So I mean, that must be playing a factor here. I think it's a really cool opportunity for volleyball Canada and just Canadian volleyball in general to have two real good chances of getting two teams on the podium. Um, And I think that's kind of how everybody needs to see this, and how the federation needs to see this, and how us as athletes need to see this rather than which one of us is going to win a gold or which one of us is going to win a silver or bronze or whatever it is. How do we manage to get both teams on the podium consistently? That's at least where my mindset is. I don't know if that'll change in the next couple of months with the Olympic qualification coming up, but for right now, that's kind of where my mind is at. And I hope everybody in Volleyball Canada jumps on board and tries to support that endeavor is what I would say. I don't cry much, but a <laughs> gold and a silver medal at the Olympics would would bring me to full-on tears. I mean, Canada defeating Canada in the final, Josh, like, is there no greater height that we can shoot for? Garrett Good getting emotional on the show. Wow. This is this took a turn. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? This show's all about emotion, Josh. Come on. I got to warn you, Garrett, if you cry at the Olympic finals when Canada finishes first and second, but you don't cry at your own wedding, Maria is going to lose it. So I'm just I'm just saying that right now. You might want to fake no, cry no. at your own wedding. I, I'm, we're, we're already prepping everybody for that that situation. So uh, that everybody understands that that's what's going to be happening. So nobody will be surprised when that happens. So now we got to deliver, though. Otherwise, I'm never crying. So... Okay. I mean, a couple of medals. I mean, silver and bronze, I'd be crying for a different reason. Like, wouldn't like, Josh, we can't get used to it, though. This is the conversation we're having. Like, I mean, good for you, Sophie. That, that's the expectation, and it should be. I mean, gosh, you got a second at Worlds, too. Like, that's crazy. 
You did. We didn't even talk it's about crazy. we didn't talk with you since then. Yeah, no, that was insane. That was so so insane. This whole year, it hasn't even been a year since I had a first conversation with Brandy about pairing up together. Like it'll be a year in a couple of weeks. So the way that this whole 2022 season happened, I just I'm I'm tired. <laughs> My brain. Let's hurts. see if we can get Garrett to cry because it wasn't too long ago, Garrett, that Sophie actually chose to leave the national team and do her own thing. And you know what she was doing on her own time, Garrett? She was learning to play left side and right side and block and defend. So if any of these senior people why, needed why a partner, she why, was going to make herself available. Cry. And then she, this 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 preparation, Garrett, it met opportunity. And you know what it resulted in? It resulted going to World Championships finals. And now it's going to result being on the podium at the Olympics, Garrett. This is quite the journey if you trace it back. Well, why would I cry at that? We're waiting, is for that? we're waiting for Netflix to sign this on, guys. This is what we're oh, saying. Oh, I got it. Are you trying to say I should cry because when I was in the same situation as Sophie, I just got the F out of there, <laughs> whereas she doubled down and worked hard and tried to get a partner? Yeah, is that started, why I should cry, Josh? You started a podcast with me, and she's on like a hero's journey that is going to like peak at the perfect moment. Yeah. I so. don't know which one you'd consider insane. I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm listen, that, that is emotional. <laughs> The thought of Sophie doing what I didn't do and having success. Okay, Josh? So way to bury me and hype Sophie at the same time. Way to boost her up at my expense. It's never too late for you. Garrett didn't announce his retirement. We've covered that on the show, Sophie. There was no (laughs) post. He is not retired yet. It's not too late. You guys don't watch the show. This is it. I've seen these. That's a huge, that, that, that is going to make me cry. I'm serious. Didn't you just talk about this? Well, but we don't know that people listen to the show. Because yeah, we yeah. can't con- be the only text Josh, right? So I get nothing. So okay. it is, oh, I'm going to get emotional just talking about it, Josh. This is emotional. <laughs> okay, let's move on quickly because there was some other stuff we wanted to talk about before I start bawling my eyes out on camera and maybe come out of retirement, apparently, play left side. <laughs> I already defended, so should I be a blocker, a left side blocker now? Uh, it doesn't knows. matter. You're a winner. Yeah, who knows? Well, let's, I don't know. So we did want to talk a little bit about, because we just have some coaching stuff we want to talk about. So I don't know if people know this, and we've had some comments before on the show about like, who's coaching the beach teams? Because we always see the results, but we don't know who's where, what's going on. So can you talk about your coaching situation with Sarah and what that's going to look like? Because I know changing partners is always definitely a big thing, but like, what does that mean for the coach? Like, is the coach loyal to one person or the other? Like, how does that work? So how does that look for you guys right now? So my coach with Brandy um, got offered a really great contract with China before our tournament in Hamburg. So we were kind of without a coach for the past couple of events where we were testing out coaches and we thought we had one solidified out in California and then, you know, partners all switched up. So hold on, um, before we move Sarah, on, you sorry. had a coach who was an absolute traitor and went to China to coach Garrett, against you. Garrett, think about that. How much would they have to pay you to move to China? So, now, like, okay. And yes. you only get to keep a certain amount of it because the rest goes back to the, I don't, I, yeah, <laughs> let's not get political. I mean, in all fairness, it was a lot of money and it was going to kind of change his family and, and the people who we spent time with in Brazil when we did our training camp, it's like life-changing money for them. So I completely understand why they kind of had to go in that direction. The timing of it obviously sucked for Brandy and I because we were left stranded for a couple of weeks and by weeks, I mean months. Um, so now kind of moving forward, I've had really great training sessions with Betsco, who is um, was Sarah and Mel's coach, who will now be mine and Sarah's coach moving forward. So I'm really excited to work with him. He's very, very technical, which is something that I definitely need. Um, I've worked really hard the past couple of years to prioritize athletic preparation and being athletic and being dynamic and explosive. But I think if I can 
own in a little bit more on the technical aspects. It'll just elevate my game even more. So I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I mean, that's awesome. So, I mean, first comment. So Sarah kept Vesco in the divorce. I don't know exactly if Mel and Brandy approached him. They've, I don't know what their situation is. Sarah and I have been really proactive in terms of solidifying our whole team. We have mental performance coaches. We have our coach. We have our strength coaches. Like our whole team is pretty much set. So you when media she, here too, you got everybody. Everything. Yeah, everything is uh, covered. So when she gets here, second week of November, we're just kind of hitting the ground running. So there's not going to be any unanswered questions. Wow. Well, good for you. I'm immediately disappointed to hear you say you have a very technical coach and you like that. It just grinds my old school mentality, but good for you that you, <laughs> you like that. Josh is probably so excited. Look at him. He's just smiling. He's giddy over there. He's like, yes, bring them all in here. Bring all the technical folks in there. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> not a fan of technical coaches? No. No, I'm not. I, totally. Oh, my, my coaching tree... I, who are they talking about this with? I forget. We're talking about coaching trees, right? They talk about it in basketball all the time, like yeah. where you learn the stuff that as you coach, you're going to then like inevitably pass, pass on. on. And like my coaching tree is like 100% old school. <laughs> like <laughs> no, no technical, tactical, none of that stuff in any of my tree growing up, which is kind of. I, I so. have a small example just so the listeners and Sophie understand. Uh, I was asking Garrett how he learned a handset because I think prime Garrett May was a great beach setter. And he goes, yeah, my dad just told me to set the ball with no spin. And I was like, he didn't care what foot was forward, what your yeah, hands are doing, yeah. where do you line up the ball? Just like, Garrett, set the ball with no spin. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get what? that. Yeah, to do it, just do it. I Go think and there's time it. and place for both. Like, I definitely think my coach Vesco is technical, but he understands that each person is different. At the end of the day, it's how do you get the ball to do what you want it to do? So there's a way that it almost likely do what you want it to do. And that's kind of what his philosophy is teaching. But if my body looks different than how Sarah's body looks different doing something, but it produces the same result. Okay. Well, let's work within that and refine that technical aspect. So, well, that's refreshing to hear because I mean, a lot of times, at least a lot of the coaches I've had kind of coaching these top beach teams are very kind of, uh, you know, stuck in their ways a little bit where they just kind of do the same thing and yeah. not as flexible. But you do see the good coaches, I think, are yeah. ones who kind of are flexible and really give what's needed at the right time. So, I mean, it's great to hear that uh, even though you classify them as a technical coach, it sounds mm -hmm. like it's uh, probably going to be a good fit. Yeah, so far so good. Well, that's great, Josh. Like, look at this wholesome episode. We've cried. We've laughed. <laughs> like, already, we're only 14 minutes in. So thank you so much for listening. Hit the subscribe button. I don't know. If there's there's no time. This is the peak of the show, everybody. Like, we're only going to get worse from here. So, I so mean. stay on. Because Josh has some not-so-breaking news about another international coaching situation. And it's a great segue. We want to get your thoughts on it. Because your coach is not Canadian. No. Right. So another coach who's not Canadian, who's going to be coaching Canadians, Josh, can we say this? Well, Garrett, I, I have it from a very good source that this is going to be announced. This is the funny thing about this show is, again, we're breaking news, but because we release at a later date, it's it's not going to be breaking news. People are going to roll their eyes at this. But, that happened uh, That happened with our partnership predictions and Sarah's thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We spoke to her, and then the next day it was announced, and the episode comes out a week later. Uh, mm. Unbelievable. So is yeah. this breaking news? This is breaking news. It it's hasn't not, happened though. yet, Garrett, We know it's not going to be breaking news. You can take it to the bank, Garrett. It hasn't happened yet when we're recording, but I'm so confident I have it from a good source that uh, our men's indoor national team is about to hire 
Tumos Samalvu. He was the Russia coach. He's the Finnish cat. People would recognize him way back, Garrett, when you go to World League and we were losing to Finland. Remember those days in World League when we were losing to Finland? He was the captain of the team. You would kind of recognize him to see him. He coached Finland for a bit. He's been in Russia since 2016, I think, coaching club. He was obviously in Tokyo when they took down their medal. So he is going to be taking over the reins of our indoor national team. So it is very exciting. I'm a little torn, Garrett, because I am a, a Benjo fan, but we got a heck of a coach with a with a great resume and, and it's definitely going to help the program yeah i mean for our listeners who are like who who is that what is even that name that josh just said because i want to go and google the last guy. name is definitely not pronounced s-a-m-m-e-l-v-u-o however you say that in finnish samelvio samelvio tuama samelvio um perfect go look him up I mean, he looks great. He's got a good look about him. Is that shallow of me to say? I don't know. He's looking. He's looking nice. That's important. That's probably why they hired him. Is it important? I mean, if I were hiring for a coach, that would be the first thing I look at. Like, how do they look in the position? Do they look like a coach? Yes. Okay. This guy checks that box. <laughs> so good for him. But interna- another international coach coming to our situation. And Sophie, I don't know if you've been following along. I mean, you said you listened to the show, which let's really put that to the test. We've been talking yeah. about this over a number of weeks. Yes. And we've been talking about the drama that is the Canadian men's coaching situation. So, yeah. I mean, first reaction to hearing this is like historically having international coaches coming in to try to coach in the Canadian system has not gone well. But it sounds like you're doing the same thing and you're really excited about that. So, like, is this a is this a great move? Like, do we think they're going to have challenges? Like, what's your thought? I think for player development and for um, our teams to be able to produce results, I think it's important. And I think that there's a lot of knowledgeable coaches that aren't from Canada. So I think bringing them in as international coaches is great. And um, yeah, hopefully they can produce results. The downside to it is they, these coaches have an expectation that wherever they're originally from or wherever they've coached, that our federation is going to be like that. And there's a lot of difficulties and logistical issues within our federation where if that's not clearly expressed within contracts or early on kind of in the hiring process, then later down the road, it becomes conversations that aren't always the best conversations and can cause a little bit of, you know, conflict or controversy or things like that. So I'm interested to see how this coach will kind of come into the Canadian system and be able to just adapt within what we're able to provide. But It's been a challenge, especially for us on the beach side. So hopefully indoor can find a way to manage it. See, that's something that like I've never actually thought about is like just the logistics of managing a different federation. Like you've got to imagine that Volleyball Canada as a federation behaves and operates vastly differently to another federation and vastly differently to like a a club. Like if you coached professionally in a club, right, that would be just so wildly different that even that is just a challenge. Like, I don't know, imagine you, well... You know what? Neither of you have normal jobs, so I'm not sure that you really understand that. But what do you mean, whoa? You well, you don't sit. You work nine to five, Josh, in a jobs. desk. Wait a minute. Yeah, what are you talking about? Professional beach volleyball player and beach volleyball coach here on the call. Okay, yeah. we got nobody in the office. So yeah. where the coach is in the office, so he's got to work with these people. Like it'd be a huge change. That I mean, I think I never really actually thought about that. That that was probably very important. That well, is it's one just challenge. a matter of like what, like what are the finances? What are the resources? Like what's available to you that was available to you in your past club, or you know, if you have an injured player, like can they get imaging right away, or can they not? What are like? It's just all these questions that come up through situations that I'm I'm interested to see how this is going to pan out. That's what I'll say. 
Yeah, me too. I also like the comment you made about like, because it is true, like as as the challenge with an international coach is coming to Canada and working with Canadians may be a challenge. Like we behave differently. We behave a certain way. There's a culture there about us that could yeah. be a positive. But the flip side of that is like, hey, let's increase our volleyball IQ density as a country by bringing yeah. people from other countries who've had success and to help us like raise our just by osmosis, like absorb kind of the, the IQ and raise our status as a country. Um, but I, I don't know, Josh, like, I don't know what the history is, but like we fire a coach or let go a coach or we decide to mutually part ways with a coach. And then like, what's it been a month? We have a uh, new, new coach. I, I don't think it's been a month yet, Garrett. And that was going to be my point is, is I don't know, uh, Tomas and obviously I'm excited because of their credentials but in my experience when you bring in a foreigner coach they want to win medals and then there's an expression in professional sports when like GMs trade all their draft picks the expression is I'm not going to plant trees that I'm not going to sit in the shade of so the risk is are we going to lose all the development that Benjo was doing like Benjo coached the junior national team he was a university coach he understands club volleyball like that level where maybe Tomos is coming in it's a short quad he wants to win the Olympics like are we going to lose that branch of the program that I think Benjo was going to be a strength for right so and I know Sophie's experience on the beach well when we typically bring in a foreigner it's to work with a higher level team they don't typically work with the provincial team or the the younger next-gen athletes it's like we want medals because you're moving your family to a different country like it's a profession for you and you want to win so that that would be my only like pessimist comment is like we don't know what the development's going to be and maybe Tumos is passionate about that and I'm completely wrong but the past international coaches we've had on the indoor side are like win now mentality and maybe that's why they they took the job maybe that's what their expectations were I don't know I think what's good about even their mindset about like being medals, let's win right now, is the way that you cultivate that and kind of the culture that you have to create then trickles down into the development piece. So what I saw with like our old coach Rico when he was here, he would look at some of the things our next gen teams were doing and he was like, no, this is not appropriate. This is not allowed. This is not yeah, Josh. high performance culture. Yeah, Josh. No, was, not yeah, allowed. He was, very, he was very direct. He was very much like, I've coached in X, Y, and Z places. Like, I've earned, he has the credentials in order to back up what he's saying. I'm not necessarily saying that everything that they say is going to be right, but it forces us to kind of critically think about what we're doing. And that's the way our program's going to grow from the grassroots. Garrett, those conversations are not happening on the men's next gen side. And no, it was absolutely about Josh. It was specifically Josh. about Josh. It was 100% about Josh. Dinner with him, Garrett. But the abuse of block training and refusal to do mortar learning, I would, I would go toe to toe with my methods versus his. But he's won more, way more medals than I will. For sure, for sure. But anyways, Garrett, he was abusing motor learning, which I did not like. But yeah. Well, I mean, he, I, I, I'm with him. I'm, I back him 100%. I was the into, culprit. I, I experienced that. So no, no. I, listen, it seemed to worry. So maybe no. I need to review the methods. But uh, no, I don't feel bad, like Sophie. You double down. Whenever you <laughs> say something risky on the show, you have to just double down on it and yeah. go in twice as hard. So hard. absolutely, it was about you, Josh, and it was about you specifically, actually. <laughs> and there's nothing else. It was just you. So I mean, yeah. Well, I was curious before I was interrupted by Josh, who jumped in there with some defense when it wasn't needed, was you have an international coach mm -hmm. and you have firsthand like what it was the challenges there with somebody coming in and trying to like you're Canadian. So what does that look like? Like, what are some of the things you said? Yeah, they hold a high standard, which I think is great across all coaches and they look critically. But like, I assume there must have been some challenges with like just the interpersonal stuff, right? Like I know the beach coach as opposed to indoor is a lot more 
intimate of a of a relationship because it's just like one on one, two on one, like very in your own headspace more than indoor where it's more systems and mm-hmm. working with a groups of people. So just curious how that's played out for you and you know what we can maybe expect to see for some of the Canadians on the men men's indoor team as well. Um, with my coach Rico, we had a really great relationship. Um, I think he was really passionate about our team and really believed in what our team was doing and what the process looked like. So he was like fully bought in what we thought for the most part. Um, and then we won him a medal and that put him on the table to have a conversation with China. So that's kind of what happened. I still have a great relationship with him when all the partner switching was happening. He was definitely a resource that I reached out to just to kind of pick his brain about things. Um, he's somebody who will always be in my corner, but again, like you said, the beach coach player relationship is a little bit more intimate and and interpersonal. Um, so I don't suspect it'll be that similar on the men's indoor side, but yeah, that's my relationship with him at least. So I'm excited to explore what my relationship with Vetsco is going to be like, because again, it is just you three traveling the world and having to take on all these different challenges. So seriously, yeah, that's gotta be tough. That's gotta be tough because the international coach, you know, is a professional coach. They're looking to win to up their station so that they can keep being a professional coach, right? Yeah. Whereas with the Canadian coaches, like the ones we've homegrown, um, it's less that. We don't send coaches really overseas to like be coaching other teams, do we? Do we have like... Well, indoor. Indoor we've oh, yeah. done that indoor, a little bit, right? Indoor, oh, indoor we've done that a little bit for sure. Um, but beach, like basically never... I can't even think of a of a single one. Can we name one beach coach from Canada? Present company? No, you don't. No, I don't mean <laughs> for Canada, John. You know exactly what I was talking about. And uh, you're not even included anyway. Oh. Ev- Evie Matthews maybe would count? Oh, Evie. Yeah, okay, yeah. Went real far. Went real international with the U.S. movie. <laughs> like, really, really so, strong. <laughs> So a Canadian needs to coach in Asia for them to be an international coach? No, but that's the one name we, we like, I don't know. Can you name anybody else? I don't know. I can't. Maybe, well, hey, comment down below. Speaking from experience, it's not that lucrative, Garrett. And for these other beach coaches, like, look at Ricardo's path of being Brazilian, moving to Canada, moving to China. Like, you have to have a pretty understanding family. And he's absolutely crushing it. But I'm sure there's people who wouldn't have taken that risk and therefore yeah. wouldn't get these opportunities because it can be... Pretty lonely traveling the world sometimes. And and, and uh, another example you just gave, Garrett, they're, they're always hunting for the next job, right? Like what if you're coaching a team in, in country ABC and that partnership breaks up and now you're you're jobless in a foreign country? Yeah. Crazy. But The coaching situation you- on the beach side is so precarious. Like when Brandy and I were looking at coaches to travel with us to Hamburg because we had two events after Rico had left, we were like interviewing coaches. We had brought Kyodai from Brazil to Hamburg to be our coach. We were having other conversations with coaches who had teams already. It was just like kind of a sketchy business. We had one coach couldn't like commit to us, fully commit to us. And then two days later was like, actually, no, I'm going to go in a different direction because a whole bunch of teams are splitting up. Coaches are leaving. Like there's a lot of intermixing that's happening with all of the different countries. So there's a lot of new teams that are forming, um, which then leaves coaches just like waiting to be asked or to have conversations with other athletes. Yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, it seems yeah. like you go with an international coach and it's a precarious space, but you feel like you can get a leg up. You feel like yeah. you can get an advantage by doing that potentially because the density is just not as high here. But I will say in defense of the Canadian coaches, you know they're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
Josh, are you going to get hired by another country? Are you going to be a trader for us? Or are you Canadian for life? Oh, my wife is pretty amazing, Garrett. I don't know if I would roll the dice and be like, hey, honey, pack your bags. We're moving to Turks and Kinkos to coach an Orsica team. Like, I don't know who's offering me a job here, but I would take the, I would consider it. I'll consider it. Yeah. Wait, what? money is right. You would consider, are you serious? I was just saying Canadian coaches would stay loyal to Canada and you just totally Two buried ago, that. I wasn't a Canadian coach in your example. You're like, we don't have any coaches. <laughs> yes, I, I, listen, I pick and choose when you're part of my examples and when you're not, absolutely. <laughs> but you're, you're going to be traitor? Okay, we can't trust Canadian coaches at all because as soon no, as I'm, anybody shows them the money, they're bailing on us. I'm and on. you know what, Josh, if someone were to pay you an absurd amount of money to go somewhere else, we would be like, yes. You go do that. Like, good for you and your family. And my comment about China wasn't political, Garrett. It was about the food situation. I'm an extremely picky eater. But if we could figure out that food situation, then sign me up. I don't think we were worried about circling back on that comment, but it seems like we've been thinking <laughs> about it this whole time. I just want the listeners to know I have no problem with China. <laughs> That's been the- bugging you. Well, the people who were pissed about it already turned it off, and they're already pissed at you, Josh. So it's too late to defend well, yourself. I'm already canceled. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, everyone's already pissed. So uh, 10 minutes ago, you're talking about China. Garrett, I, that must I have really bugged more- you. One more pessimistic comment. Uh, just doing some more Googling of Tomas. He's coaching a very good team internationally in Poland. So mm. do you not think he's not going to arrive till the spring, maybe? Maybe May again? And VNL starts again in June? So the same people who were saying, Benjo didn't get results. You know, the new system, it took too long to install. Tumos is going to have the same amount of time. And if he doesn't win, the same people who were saying Benjo didn't have enough time are going to pull the old 180, the old switcheroo, Garrett, and say, like, guys, it takes time. you got to give the coach some trust here you got to be patient with the program we're just going to flip-flop arguments and it's going to be the same people fighting with each other yeah we have video evidence of the people who said that to us though josh we've chatted about this a number of weeks so we will circle back on them 100 but wow. it's very obvious you're a ben josephson supporter I'll you're get on clearly board with, with tumas but i just think he was done wrong i think something's up here like it was too short like, if you Wikipedia Glenn, and don't get me wrong, the situation's completely different. Glenn took the job in 2006, Garrett. We were pretty good around 2010. We were really good around 2013. Those are years. Benjo got a summer mm. to figure it out. Like, and, I, and the, again, the person arguing is going to say, Josh, you, like, look at the program that Glenn left Benjo. Well, Bygrass retired, TJ retired, Gord retired. It wasn't the same. So a, a lot of these arguments, I'm poking holes in Garrett that a lot of people just thought he was going to fail and were happy he got let go, which I think is completely wrong. I didn't think he got a fair opportunity. Okay, who are you going to back here, Sophie? I... See, why do we have to do that? Why do we have to pick a side, Garrett? Why can't we just cheer for Tomas and We Benjo? have to pick a side, Josh, because you're <laughs> such a staunch defender of that one side. So we need a counterpoint. And if it, I'm just curious if it's going to be Sophie or if it's going to be me. I'm just going to say that we have only a couple of years to the Olympic Games, and whoever is going to bring you a medal is the right guy for the job. Like, I don't care about development at this point. When yourself Sophie medal, doesn't think, care as long as we get the result. That's what so, you're here to do with your senior teams. If you want to develop teams, develop your junior national team. Yeah, Josh. I'm sorry, <laughs> like, I think that there's there's too much of a disconnect between, like, our senior teams and what and, and the development pipeline. Like, there's just, it's not seamless. It's We should not be developing at our senior level. Senior level. That should not right. be it. Right, like, hire the guy who's going to, win you international matches yes and don't worry about literally anything else there should be another person hired to develop okay good so maybe, because I feel maybe, like they be, maybe they both should be hired not like a, that's an interesting perspective that we have not had that's some diversity of thought on the show josh 
It's almost I like Dave has this figured out because we would hire Vecco or Ricardo and they would work at the senior teams. And then I'm doing my thing at the next gen level, developing, working with the summer athletes. Yeah, Does one no, person see, need to do it all problem. That's the problem, though, is that they have you developing the next generation. And, but, you know, but I feel empowered. I feel valued. Yeah, we get a bunch I know, of I don't care how you feel. It's just, are we, okay. Anyway, let's not try out get in, here at, uh, December 2nd to 4th in Toronto if you want to be part of the next gen yeah, program. No, but... Don't go to the, nobody go to the trial. Don't, <laughs> no, please don't go, go to please the trial. Please go. Please go. <laughs> Don't, if you're listening don't to this, go, just show don't up. Don't go to the tryout. <laughs> just show up. I'll be there to support. So just show what? up. You'll be there? You're Probably. like you're backing it officially. I'll be there like practicing, working out. I'll be around. Oh, well, okay. But are you going to be there for anybody listening who said, yeah, she is. hey, I'm here because Sophie Bukovic said she was going to be here. Yeah, you can, if you come up to me. Yeah. Yeah, if you come up to me in Downsy and you said, I listened to your podcast. I'm here because of that. Done. Well, we'll the first words out of your mouth should be, well, it's not my podcast. It's Garrett and Josh's podcast. No, Passy Nimes is supporting Passy Sophie Nimes. to be in attendance. This is what we need to get people to try out for the national team, apparently, is we need our senior athletes to make an appearance so people come meet them and then try What do you mean team. Passing Dimes is supporting? This is sharp cuts. Do you you're forget what show you're on? You're not supporting, Garrett. I wasn't going to put your name on it if you're not supporting. What do you mean I'm not supporting? You said don't go to the tryouts. Yeah, don't go to the tryouts. You should be encouraging people to go to the tryouts, Garrett. Don't go to the tryout. Okay. If you're listening. Do you think we have any people listening who <laughs> no. who were like thinking about it? Like, is there anybody out there who's like wondering, oh, I was going to go, but Garrett told me not to. So I'm not going to go. Comment below because I would like <laughs> to beat this person. <laughs> I think the, the number of it's people probably in that situation... Logan Mandy's like, yeah, I actually bought my ticket already, but Garrett said not to go. Garrett so. said yeah. not to go. <laughs> yeah, that definitely didn't happen. So oh uh, so go or don't go. I don't care because we know nobody really cares. So Well, Garrett won't be there, but I'll be there and Josh will be there. So Well, maybe I'll make a surprise and show up and try for the next gen team, Josh. Wouldn't that put a real twist on it? You'd have to cut me because I'm too old. Well, you haven't retired. Are you'd you? Have, but you'd, Is you'd that have to cut me. Cap? No, there isn't an age cap, and I don't think there, there's a years of carding cap that I don't think Garrett reached because he he left too soon. Well then, well, Garrett, that's that's a harsh cut there, Josh. That you don't think Garrett reached the number of years requirement before he left. <laughs> I uh, comment below. I think people would agree that you you left us too soon, Garrett. I think you I won agree. nationals was your I last tournament. I you agree. Left at the peak. Yeah, that the best time to leave. Go get a real job, <laughs> and. Like, it's it's nice out here. It's it's nice. You, it's it's looking good. But you know what? I am doing a silly podcast with a bunch of people who are still in it. So I keep my toe in somehow. Mm. And I'm gonna still say that I'm I might be coming back until I'm at least forty. Like it's believable at least until then, right? Yeah. Okay. So we got another twenty years. No, I'm a bit <laughs> older than that. Um, okay. So we we need to fit in time for everybody's favorite segment. Well, mm. we think it's everybody's favorite segment, but we're still really, I've been saying it every freaking week and nobody has confirmed or denied. So it's just going to continue to remain a mystery. It's players of the week and clowns of the week. So I'm going to start because mine are low hanging fruit. So I'm not feeling that great. So let's build up to it. So my players of the week got to be a couple of Swedish bros, Aman and Helvig get a big second win gold medal on the world tour. And I like to call out the Swedish dudes because generally there's a few things. I, I don't know them. I don't know them personally, but generally the Swedish guys on tour, they always spoke English. They were always hilarious and they were always super nice um, to be around. So I'm, I'm giving them player of the week on the thought that they're probably good dudes. 
and then they go out there and get a win. They look super happy. So congrats to them. I love to see um, people have success like that. That's awesome. So congrats to them. I mean, I don't know them though, so maybe they can write in or maybe they can come on the show here and they can uh, prove or deny, confirm or deny if they're nice guys or not. But um, big win, man. Winning tournaments ain't easy. No, you're right. You think we can get them on the show? Like Probably you should ask them, Josh, because apparently you can get anybody. We've had like all the best women beach volleyball players in our country in the last few weeks and then Pearson Nolan. So, I mean, you know, sharp cuts giveth and it taketh away. But um, yeah, so that's my so we, we had a streak of Olympians and then I went with the fan favorites, Pearson Nolan and then Garrett was so upset that I went and got a future Olympian. This I can't do this every week, Garrett. Like the list is only so long. No, but you guys want me to reach out to <laughs> yeah, like we can cycle back to people like we don't we've had Sophie on twice like we don't need to like you know we can we can extend this Josh keep the streak going buddy you should I, I can't remember who I was talking to this about mm, I don't even know if I'm gonna say this correctly but they were talking about kind of like a telephone series of connections of people so like I would then bring on one other person that person would bring on another person just to see how far the like LinkedIn could go oh like like so we brought you but you bring someone we don't know and you so ask put the them to bring somebody who you don't know. Yeah, so then you guys end up talking to like people that you genuinely don't know. Well, I don't know if Josh can handle that. Like, That's... I'll bring on Therese Cannon. Therese will bring on somebody else. But, and then just continue it Before on. Before you know it, Karch cries on the show, Garrett. You know, he could well, be. Well, listen, my dad, my biological father told me that we would have Karch on the show. We had Sinjin too. He promised us both of those things and we're yeah. still waiting. So it only works if the guests deliver on that. Right? The only yeah. difference there is Sophie delivers. One of my favorite episodes on Passing Dimes is she got uh, fellow USC alumni, Samantha Bricio, who's absolutely crushing it in indoor volleyball. She came on the show. So Sophie can deliver, Garrett. And you're talking about the show, like it's our show. It's yeah, this, your that's show. That's center stage. This is the side stage of this, that. This <laughs> is the main this event. This is the opener. This no, is the main show. <laughs> And Passing Dimes is the secondary show that you go off and do your thing. This is the main event. <laughs> the numbers would tell different. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Yes, please subscribe. <laughs> We're getting close to the number of subscribers and episode number again. We're getting dangerously close. No, we got room. We got room. We got at least several weeks before we get there. So we're good. Please, please subscribe. Please subscribe. Uh, where, yeah, so that's my we? player of the week. So who wants to go next? Who's feeling medium about theirs? I feel like mine's just following suit. I was going to say, um, Miles, or sorry, yeah, Miles and Andy. Andy Banesh and Miles Partain for winning the first USA gold medal on the FIVB this year for men. So I'm going to say that they are my players of the week. First USA medal, wow. Yeah, the best result they had was Kane and Theo in uh, at Worlds. Oh, and I guess uh, Taylor Crab in Dubai, but they didn't win, so. I'm going to say Miles and Andy. I mean, Miles and Andy. Do you know them? Um, I went to school with Andy. Are they good dudes? Yes. Well, it's, we like to see good people have good success. People. So congrats to Miles and Andy. Well, yes. you went to school with Andy, but is Miles a good dude? Miles still goes to UCLA, so I'm like iffy because that's a rival of us, but he is a very nice guy. He's a very sweet He's guy. played the North Bay Norseka. He's a pretty nice guy, Garrett. Yeah. I, I've interacted with him. He's yeah, he dude. seems really nice, so... 
Right on. Uh, well, this is wholesome so far. Like we, we, you know, we're we're setting ourselves up for a huge fall with clowns of the week. So, Josh, you're going to keep this positivity train rolling. Oh, I'm riding the positivity because Garrett, you like to remind people that I took a shot at the USA Women's Indoor Development Model, but I love the Beach Development Model. Yep. And this athlete, yep. uh, recently at USC, she also played for Hawaii. She finished third and fourth at the Dubai tournaments. I got to see her in person. Yes, absolutely. So Julia Scholes, Garrett, she was an athlete that I saw at FISU. She won the tournament. I was like, wow, she's still in university. She might be tour ready. Garrett, she was tour ready right now. She went to a challenger, finished 17th. Then she went to Dubai, third and fourth. She's going to play the rest of the tour. Absolutely crushing it. NCAA is pumping out athletes where Sophie is an experience of that. Like Sarah Hughes, Kelly Clay. Sorry, uh, different last name now. Kelly. Chang. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, Everyone knows. I feel like Kelly Clay is fine. It's fine. There's more and more players, Garrett, coming through this model where they figured out the beach development system indoor. I'm still a little meh, but uh, beach, they've got it going on. Who was the player there again? You, the name was very quick. Julius Scholes. Julius. Julia. Scholes. Julia Scholes. Yes. Okay. Thank you for the listeners who don't know who that is and may want to look them up. We need to actually be clear about who these people are. So I should probably follow suit, actually. I don't know if I was spoke that clearly when I said mine. Yikes. You mumbled a little bit. But third and fourth with different partners or same partner? Same partner. She won FISU with another USC athlete, and then she's picked up, uh, I won't say a vet, but an older athlete who's taken her on tour. Uh, she was playing with uh, Horton. When she played Dubai, and she took the 17th at uh, Maldives with a different partner. So these Americans, they can swap partners, Garen, and keep winning. Katie Horton. Yeah, I mean, I think that's got to be the idea. Is like you got to be good on your own, be very good on your own, and put go with somebody else who's very good and go and win. So like Fisu third and fourth at a couple of events in a row, and then go get a 17th at what was the 17th. Well, actually, I, I should correct myself. Dubai was also challenger. So she won FISU, and then she went and started on the pro tour. Uh, she took a 17th, and then she followed that up with a third and a fourth. Yeah, I mean, that's a great start to your career. I mean, it took me... I never made a podium at an FIVB senior event. So, I mean, to do that in your first three tournaments is pretty good. Yeah, and she won up. She's done really well in the ABP as well. So. Gosh, all this success and people doing stuff out there, you know, it's good. Yeah. It's good. But so hold on. Mm. Hold, hold on a moment. The three of us did players of the week and none of them were Canadian. What are we doing? <laughs> are you serious? The three of us. The Canadians aren't playing in anything. But we could have somebody. Okay, let's go Ruby and Emma. And Roosbay and Trent for the under 23 silver in the Cayman Islands. Can't do it. Can't do it. What do you mean you can't do it? Under 23, Norseka, Josh. Who cares what the level was? No, we took the medal. Congratulations to them, but this is like old man yelling at Cloud. I'm going to be the old guy here, Garrett. I feel like the Norseka rules switched the draw there, where I think Canada would have meddled no matter what, but I felt like the USA teams were the best teams there, and they had to play each other in the semis because of the yeah. wonky Norseka rule. And on the women's side, Garrett, the USA thumped the other team for bronze, and I think the scores were single digits. They might even have been six and four, so it was a great job for them to finish and get a medal, but it was not a top-to-bottom deep tournament. So I'm a little bitter. Josh, half the tournaments I meddled in were not top-to-bottom <laughs> deep tournaments. So, like, don't take that away from us, Josh. A medal's Still, a medal, Josh. Player of the week. Oh. A medal's a medal, dude. It doesn't matter if you breeze your way to the final and lose to a good team. Still silver, buddy. Still <laughs> silver. 
So, yeah. Yeah. What are you saying? That silver is... I'm not even going to go... <laughs> you can say that silver is worth less than Sophie's silver at the world's, and it absolutely is. No, it absolutely <laughs> is. So, yeah. I'm not going to go there. 10 times out of 10, Gary. Uh, not going to go there. It's 100%. Okay, so let's get to clowns of the week. So where do we want to start here? Who's feeling the worst about theirs? Yeah, I I, I feel a little uncomfortable calling this guy, but I'll go for it. I'll just ride the train here. So. Let's start with that. Let's yeah. start with making you uncomfortable. So, Garrett, social media age, people are really celebrating, like, the records and the big numbers and the big kills. So UBC, uh, Matthew Neves, he put up 37 kills. Awesome. Took 70 attempts to get there. And another athlete on the same team, Garrett, uh, Matthew Dehanyuk, and Matt, don't take offense to this because I'd love to see you on the beach someday. He got 13 kills on 39 attempts. That means Mason Greaves set two guys 109 balls. What are we doing, Garrett? This goes back to my theory about setters. And the next setter who comes on the show talks about the intricacies of the position and you got to trick the other team's middle blocker. You got to do that. You set your two best players over 100 times. That's not a strategy. That's not a strategy. You're looking uh, it up right now. You're looking up their game against Brandon, and this is not a strategy, Garrett. They won. They won. So TJ's probably listening going, Josh, setters are supposed to win. He won the game. He did the right decision. You couldn't have got a one-on-one. -on -one. You could have got a one-on-O -on somewhere else. Yeah. No, I need to find this. Like, we can't We can't <laughs> let this go. Like, are, are you kidding me? Is this and, a joke? And Lucy Glenn Carter, who's an Ontario athlete playing at Dalhousie, she got 72 attempts in a match, Garrett. What are we doing? Yeah, like... What? Yeah, okay, so. yeah. So my runner-up for Player of the Week was Morty, who we've had on the show, Dylan Mortensen. He showed us what efficiency is, Garrett. He got 19 kills. It only took 31 attempts. He hit 452. These guys who keep putting up, like, almost 40 kills and they, their hitting percentage isn't above their weight, I'm not going to respect and say what a great performance. Okay, so this is a fifth set match that... Oh, boy. Oh, my God. What? Oh, boy. You have to look this up right now. <laughs> Read it to us, Garrett. Read so they it. win. They win the game. UBC. They they have 138 total attempts on the match. And... 70 and went to Neves. And 109 of them were from two players. Yes. So the other four players combined ended up with only 21 sets no. on a five-set match. No. Attempt. And UBC's deep. They have more than two players. This isn't no, they like, don't. They don't, they do. though. <laughs> they can't. They can't possibly. Was that and the Mason, game plan? Or was it like, Mason oh, we're going to free these guys up? Junior national team level setter. Like, he knows how to play the position. His dad is one of the greatest setters of all time, and he's overloading two guys, Garrett. That's well, a they won the game. They won, they the, won game. the game. They won the game. Listen, if you're a left side or an outside and you hit 350 or 300 or more, he hit 350 on 70 attempts. You should be getting that many balls. That's a lot of balls to still hit that high efficiency. Like, holy. That's very good. Do you not think if he got 50 attempts, he would hit like 400 and something, though? Like, do you not no, think the, no, the lower no, that volume would get him that? No, no, because you're not fooling anybody. What's the difference between 50 and 70? The person's getting most of the stats <laughs> What's still. What's the difference between 50 and 70? Sophie, how's your shoulder doing with those 20 extra attempts? Oh no, it's good. God. What are you talking about? I am shocked with the amount of attempts that these guys are getting. Like, I'm, I'm shocked by that number. Yeah, so let's look at the other team. The losing team spread the offense far more evenly. Well, there you, got, you have it. I'm wrong. Well, maybe that's why they lost. You got four <laughs> players but at 20 and 30 attempts um, each. And, like way more spread out and they lost so like this is evidence for 
No, don't spread your offense yeah. nope. ever. Don't establish the middle. Who cares? Don't, yeah, like don't distribute. Set the person who's going to put the ball away, regardless of the block. Not even necessarily scoring. Just set your best player, and they'll figure it out eventually. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give them five sets, and they'll make it work. Like what that was Dahanik's hitting mentality. percentage? Do you still have it open in front of you? Dahanik yes. got thirty-nine attempts. What was his average? The guy who got thirty-nine attempts. Yeah. Yeah, he hit ten percent efficiency. So that that earned the volume that he got then, right? Like, what are we no, doing? No, absolutely not. Like, I don't <laughs> like. Are those all on digs? Like they made 45 digs. So on 39 of those digs, they just set that guy like, save us. And if he's hitting 10% on, out, I mean, that's, uh, it's not great, but still like, cause they're setting the other guy in system. That's fair. Oh I didn't watch the match God. aired. I should, I should watch my mouth before I totally down what the stats say. But like Mason, what are we doing? You set two guys a hundred out of 130 balls. And he only dumped once <laughs> in five sets. So like, not only not going to take any for himself either. So yeah. So who's the clown here? Feels like uh, Mason, everybody. Mason Greaves, the starting setter for UBC. They're going to do well. They're going to they're going to throw it in my face at some point this year, Garrett. But early on in the season, I got to call that a clown move. That yes, two guys got your whole offense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's a great segue, Josh, into my clown of the week. So sorry. So if we were going to save you for last here, but mine is so bad. So yeah, save me for last. Mine, <laughs> my clown irritated. of the week is stat keepers in all of our Canadian leagues. Um, the people yes. who keep the stats, we always do a terrible job. Now, here's the thing. I don't want to be, they're volunteers most of the time. So I don't want to be chirping people for like, you know, doing a bat, making mistakes when they're just kind of doing a nice thing. So that's not like, you want to make a mistake. If you miss something, no problem. Like, you miss one, whatever. If I'm a player and I had 15 kills, you give me 14, yeah, it bothers me, but whatever, it's not a big deal. You make mistakes. But the problem here is the consistency across the league is just not there at all. We have statistics that we list that we never track ever. Why do we do that? Why do we even list them? Some places do them, some places don't. And there's discrepancies in games between what is counted as what. So on an overpass that somebody puts it down, is that a block or a kill? Kill. So therefore, they go with two hands. What if they go with two hands and throw it down? Is that a block or is that a kill? Block. You've swayed me. It's a block now. It, it's a one-two hand thing. That's the only difference, right? Like this is what I'm saying is like we know you scored a point, so we're going to give you a point. But do we give you a block solo or do we give you a kill? Right. So when you look at the stats, it's totally misleading. The fact that in the game that there's a, a number of assists and the number of kills related to the assists are always different. Make, made me go like, wait, what, what's going on here? So like, are these overpasses? So we must be counting them as kills. But then like, so what happens if somebody, that same ball, the person hits out of bounds? It's an error, but it should count as a kill for the other player who overpass it because that is actually technically a tool. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? The problem here is... <laughs> We have no idea what we're doing. Don't even get me started on the block errors. Oh, nobody takes any. They're all zero. Blocking assists with your like, if you have like one hand out, even if you're nowhere near the block, it still technically counts as a block assist. What? Absolutely. And I never got any of those because we didn't get many blocks. But the middles were always happy to be like on my stuff block. Like, no, I was there, and I get a half block on that. Like, yeah. How does that help us really? Yeah. But then also, is the stat keeper supposed to figure out who got the block? Yes. 
that's a challenge, right? Sometimes, because sometimes you don't know, or sometimes it's two guys. Like, what a mess keeping stats in our sport at the, I'll call it amateur level. Yeah. Like amateur level sport, keeping stats. What an absolute mess. Basketball, you think it's this complicated? Nope. Not even close. Hmm. So, clown of the week, keeping stats in university volleyball in Canada. That's a, that's a fair one. Sorry, I, I went mean, on a bit of a rant there. I pulled a bit of a Josh Nickel on that. You but, did. Uh, I, I'm fired up. Yeah. Like, we're, we're and, and man, the people who do it, do you think they know they're doing it for kind of no reason? Like, yeah. They think they, they're doing it for no reason and that it's not actually useful information. They yeah, do like, it so two guys who run a podcast can look like 10 minutes before the show and get fired up yeah. over someone's stat line of a match <laughs> they didn't watch. <laughs> if we didn't keep stats, Garrett, we wouldn't have any clowns of the week. I fully agree. Like I've leaned on that a number of times and I'm doubling like we're it's recycling old content here again by doing a clown of the week for just the whole system. So like without them, we'd have trouble. You're right. So we should maybe thank them next week. Yeah. Right. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, Sophie, you're going to top us or are we going to be underwhelmed to end here? Um, you know, underwhelmed, I think is the way we're going to go. It was just too wholesome, too good for the whole show. So I decided to just really bring it down at the end. Yeah. We appreciate um, it. I'm going to say I have two, technically. One Already an improvement. One is Enrico Rossi, who plays for uh, Italy with Adrian Carambula for yeah. absolutely getting handcuffed and using his head to cut the ball over the net from the baseline and it scoring against Switzerland. Hilarious because he could have used his hands and he just chose not to. It's on Beach Volleyball World if you need to see the video. It's actually hysterical. He like almost collides with Adrian on a serve receive and then just uses his head and makes a perfect cut shot and it scores against Switzerland. So I, I, I don't understand. Yes. It's actually really funny. That's a, that's like a legendary move. What do you mean clown of the week for that? Because he could, he had time to do something else. <laughs> he could have just got up and cut shot it, but instead he used his head. It, it wasn't, no, it wasn't even like he, he was at the baseline. <laughs> like this is the he weirdest scored thing. He on ever. a cut shot with his head from the baseline. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to see if I can pull it up. I can see on my phone and I can like hold the camera. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be the same That's thing. too high tech for this show. Go on Beach Volleyball World and look up the highlights from Dubai. Unbelievable. Un yes. Unbelievable. That, I don't know. I, yeah, I guess that's a bit of a clowny move, but it worked. So like. It worked. So it just was like, really, dude? I'm torn. You know? You're torn on it, Josh. What? No, I, like that's legendary. If you score, you're like it's a huge risk because if say that goes into the net, you look like a complete idiot. He wouldn't have though because it was the way that it was. He, you just have to watch it. That's going to be my recommendation there. Okay. My second clown of the week is going to be the FIVB and Beach Volleyball World for putting the World Tour Finals at the end of January. <laughs> This season okay. never ends, Garrett. I don't know when it started, but it's never going to end. Yeah, Way like to give no one an opportunity to have an off-season. Thank you, FIVB and Beach Volleyball World. Thank you for that. Yeah, this is a th – there's a lot to this, isn't there? Like, there's – you've had quite the year, and it's only getting longer, apparently. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you qualify, but that's – Yeah, so the, the World Tour Finals, yes. which is a yearly thing, yes, is, is taking place at the – in the next year. Yeah. So we could have two in a year, potentially. Yes. Oh, yeah. Two World Tour finals in the same year. 
So like two World Tour semis, I guess it would be then. Cause so here's the tough piece about that one is it's obviously awkward. Nobody wants it. When should it be? Probably in the fall sometime. I just think as soon as the like, you know, when the bulk of elite 16 tournaments are just do it yeah. right after Paris. <laughs> right. So that's like ideal. A weeks after just do it then. That's ideal. But here's the thing is the FIVB doesn't have a ton of control over like when events are because they're a little bit beholden to the promoters who put on these events and put up most of the money for these events. And guess so, where this event is? Well, where? Qatar. Yeah. So there's there's some there's some serious leverage going on there. So maybe we should watch our watch our tongues here because Fair. yeah, like there's been a lot of tournaments there recently, right? Like there's some action there. So is there is there decent prize money in that event? There is decent prize money in the event. I will say I would love to play a world tour final in a place where I can wear my actual uniform. But we won't get too political. Yeah, let's That's not get I too political say. on that, but I think that is a wholesome desire to want for your for your career. Especially for a finals, for like the biggest one of the biggest events, but yeah. Money that can is, make you do a lot of things. That is another layer to this whole thing and Yes. I mean, we're 56 minutes into this episode <laughs> and we're getting to this. And I mean, holy, it it's just sobering how it's putting everything else we've talked to on this episode really into sharp perspective. <laughs> that's some real stuff right there. Yeah. Wow. Are we even equipped to get into this at this point? Gosh, we maybe need to have a full episode on that. And maybe, I don't know. Gosh. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to like bring it, bring it so no. down. No, well, you said you you did though, because you said you were going to bring it down at the end. I was just gonna bring out <laughs> Italy. I was just gonna call out Enrico, but you know, I felt I felt the need to have to say you it. Felt Something it in the moment. Yeah. yeah, I I don't. It's not often. Called sharp cuts for a reason, right? It is called sharp cuts. Yeah, like holy, we're gonna have a tournament in January. So, yeah. what's the distance between the last Elite Sixteen event and that event? The last Elite 16, I think, is the second week of November. So there's about two months, two and a half months. Yeah. Between the end of the tour. Yes. And the finals. Yes. And what's the first Elite 16 next year? The week after the World Tour Finals. So it's not the World Tour Finals. It's like it, the World Tour preseason. It's the World Tour. Yeah. It's the World Tour starter. I don't know. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That is great. Well, so you get two and a half months of off season. I had about three weeks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But your Perfect. first tournament is potentially the finals. Yes. With a new partner if we get it. That's, that's nuts. That is so absolutely The first crazy. elite this year was in March. Just to give our listeners perspective of like the, the season it's never going to end. It feels like a continuous loop that like, at least in other sports, you get like a dedicated off season where you can rest your body, like, like seasonal sports. This is absolutely nuts. Well, this is why you had to be strategic. Why a lot of teams stopped playing after Paris, a lot of the top teams, because you need to give your body a break. So like Garrett, to give you an example, the, the elite 16 that's happening right now, as we're recording this, there was no women's qualifier. There was not enough teams who attended the event that they, everyone got to go to the main draw just by checking in. Which is why I will say that people need to stop complaining about there being no elite 16 qualifier potentially next year. We can get rid of the qualifier. It's fine. You people aren't even wow. showing up okay. to the qualifier. 
Again, y'all are dumping a, a mountain of stuff with those two Sorry. comments by both of you right after a full hour of discussion. Sorry, Holy. Okay. okay, quickly. What did Josh say? If you showed up in Cape Town, you were in the main draw Un on the women's unbelievably side. Unbelievably stupid that that is a professional top tournament and that that is a thing. Mm-hmm. Like that'll be stupid. team's best result just by checking in on time. Whether they Un win or lose a match, that's going to be the, like, huge points for a lot of teams. Unbelievably stupid. Did we get any Canadian teams in because of that? Yeah. No, Jake and Russ got into the qualifier on the men's side. Unfortunately, we lost to France. But on the women's side, uh, no, uh, a lot of our next-gen teams, this would have been their best result just by going to the tournament. So you would have had to know that 30 days out, right? Yes. It's not as simple as like, oh, you know, like you register 30 days out. Yeah. Yeah, so... Why don't lesson, lesson, register every team for the Elite 16 tournaments. Everyone. If you get in, book the flight. No? Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I agree, Garen. Especially so, in the back half. Like the back half of season, just everybody go to every tournament. If you are, just do it. Now, if any players are listening out there and you've listened to my advice to not go to the tryout, you should listen to this advice as well is don't register for every event at the beginning of the year because if you forget to withdraw from one before the deadline, you end up paying a fine, which is not good. We don't want that to happen. And it happened to somebody I know. Um, <laughs> the other comment from Sophie was about what? Gosh, that was a can of worms you opened. No qualifier? Yeah. Oh, here's, yeah. My, here's my quick response. Yeah, spoken from somebody who's spent a lot of time in, not in the qualifier. But I, when they brought up the Elite 16 without a qualifier at the beginning of the year and I had zero points, I was for a no qualifier. If you are confident enough to be in the main draw of an Elite 16, then you're fine with the way the format is. Right, but, I mean, you were confident enough? Like, you have to... Me and Brandy, we were confident enough with zero points that at some point by the end of the season that we would be in the Elite 16. Right, but it just makes it so much more difficult to get into those tournaments. Yeah, yeah, which is the kind of the criticism of the new format in the first place. And that move would make it even harder. Um, I think with the way they're trying to promote and the way that they're trying to professionalize the sport, it's the best way for us to be able to do those things. Well, not when we have everybody getting in automatically for just showing up. Exactly. So, so this is not, yeah, this isn't helping. You got to be filling every tournament. Okay, gosh, wow. Well, it seems like we've discovered that we have a lot more to talk about with Sophie than we could fit into one hour. And we were fooling around talking about indoor stuff. And we really had all this other juicy stuff going on. So we'll have to have you back, Sophie. Deal. Happy to we'll be back. To bring a friend. It'll be bring a friend episode, I think. Yeah, time. like should we challenge okay. you with the first like telephone? Well, I don't, you, you had a term for it. But where you bring a friend, friend bring a friend. We've never, we've had five people on the show like maybe one time. Okay, I can bring a friend. You, you, that was kind of menacingly said that like it was like a threat almost like oh, I'll, I'll, bring bring a a friend. Friend. I'll, I'll bring a friend like we're gonna be fired up and all of a sudden john may is gonna log in on the call <laughs> yeah like so he's gonna bring my team. <laughs> no i'm doing it i'm doing it i'm doing it knock knock guess who <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh my gosh i'd be terrified to bring your dad onto a podcast what a, what a twist. There was one time he left me the most cryptic voicemail at like 6 a.m. as I was going to CSIO being like, what are you doing? You need to be working out. You need to be doing like high performance things. I'm like, yes, you're right. 
What what an absolute what an we absolute <laughs> What an absolute weirdo. Again. Wow. So yep. <laughs> Holy Is this what happens on this is this is my theory actually. We do we do sharp cuts. And then at the end, stuff comes out and Josh goes, oh, this would make a great episode for Pass and Dies. And then just goes off and gets people and talks about all the stuff we didn't quite get to because we were fooling around with other crap, isn't it, Josh? Yeah, new episodes every Friday. Don't forget to subscribe. Un unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> all right. Well, Josh, you're brutal. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us. I don't, I don't know why you did, but we're glad you came. I thought it was an excellent episode. Great chatting with you. Uh, and we hope to have you back. Maybe with a friend. Who's not yes. my biological father, or maybe, yes. or maybe, maybe he is. We, we don't know. We don't know. We'll figure it out. So, uh, no, thank you so much, and uh, thank you all for listening. And so, we'll see you next time.